man, we don't ever want to be in a rush, right? There's no purpose in skipping the point of being present. This is why we are here, to allow God to speak to us, to touch us. Because when I came into the room, I came in with need. If you were here earlier this morning, um, Mr. Blake Scheidt was, was kind of talking about this idea of us needing. And when I walked into the room this morning, I needed God. Not because he was absent from me, but because I know I need more of him. So, Father, we are grateful for your presence and your spirit this morning. That as we have worshipped you, you have, there is such a, a beauty and a grace that is just filling this place. An assurance that you are with us. That you've not forgotten us. That you still love us. That your kindness still calls us and brings us in, that you have still created space for us at the table so that we can come and be with you. You still remind us that we are not alone. We've never been alone. You have always been there by our side, leading us, carrying us, caring for us. So Father, we continue to worship you in our time together as the body. And now we give space for your word to be presented, that we would have ears to hear what you are saying to your body. And may our hearts be in tune with your word so that we can act accordingly. God, we bless you today. And we thank you for meeting us in a place that you have called your home. We love you. We thank you, Father. In your wonderful, precious name. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Good morning, Strong Tower Church. Um, I'm excited to be with you uh, this morning. Um, and I'm grateful uh, and I honor uh, your pastors, Ben and Nikki Turner, um, all of the staff, the leadership, um, and I also honor you. Um, sometimes I think we begin to lose sight of what God created. And so I can call you by name, but if I don't understand that in seeing who you are, you have been a person created in the image and likeness of our creator. Amen. I don't want to take that lightly. And this morning, we are going to uh, hopefully unpack something that has been tied into uh, what you all have been walking through. Um, as vision for this year has been set before you. And I begin to think about, man, what it had to be like, right, to, to share a dream with someone. And so I've shared some dreams with my brothers, my family. And in doing so, you know, it's always interesting because you don't know how they're going to respond. And you begin to share those dreams, and then at some point, then it really, like, hits when they begin to laugh and they begin to mock you uh, because you're not the oldest or the wisest. You might even be the youngest. 
And as you share those dreams, it's okay to share them until that dream begins to kind of put you in a place where, well, you're going to be seen as better than me or better than us. And I imagine what Joseph had to have been experiencing as he comes to his brothers and he begins to unpack and he begins to share this dream. And then he comes back again and he shares another dream. And as he's sharing this dream, it moves from, hey, I had this dream and I'm going to do something great to, hey, I had this dream and this dream involves you bowing down to me. Even his father begins to say, son, now I love you <laughs> and I know you're my favorite, but you, you may have just stepped over the line. Maybe it was what we had last night. I don't know. But in the scripture in Genesis 37, you, you see the beginning of Joseph's story unpacked. And something is said in that second dream. It says that his father remembered the word. So he may have said, eh, Joseph, I don't know about that. But he remembered, you know what? Maybe I need to be mindful of what this young man is saying right now. And so I want you to participate in this word this morning because I want you to take the time. If you got pen and paper or you got your phone, if you have something to write or to take notes with, I want you to think about what is the dream? You all are talking about vision and I'm liking things I see on Facebook and as I stay connected to what I'm seeing this church display and you're talking about what you are casting and what you are going to begin to walk out, what is the dream? And this becomes important in this season and time because I think that we have allowed our dreams to become something that we've repackaged with a nice ribbon. We've placed a lot of stamps on saying God is going to do we haven't been asking God and committing the dream to the Lord. And so I say this maybe as potentially some course correction for us, right? Because we're still in January. Hopefully none of you have let go of those New Year's resolutions yet. <laughs> you know, we come to this point where we make them, right? We make them every year. And for some of us, we're still holding on to dreams and we're caught in this cycle where these things have not come to pass. So as we talk today, it's highlighted by the backdrop of what happens in Hebrews eleven thirteen. And if you know anything about kind of the historical context in Hebrews eleven thirteen, it is known as kind of the chapter on faith. But eleven thirteen outlines something that I think we as believers have to become more committed to. And this is what it says in Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. It reads, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. See, Joseph has like this unique perspective, right? Because he has these dreams and as quick as he is to share them, maybe he was a little immature in sharing them. 
Because maybe he didn't think about the fact that, well, I have older brothers. And they're, they're not just, you know, kind of older siblings that lay around. Like, they were running the house. They were taking the flocks out, which means that they were used to working. That they had built up strength and grit. So for the young son who gets the job of, hey, go tell your brothers this. I need you to run this errand here. He's at the house with dad, clothed in his coat, enjoying the luxuries of being at home. So for him to go out to his brothers and give them messages, but then to come to them and say, hey, I got dreams that you all have worked hard, but at some point, I'm going to be better than you. Yeah, that's not something that you share <laughs> with, your, with your older siblings that are watching you get benefits that they're asking, well, why don't we get this? We work all day. We're working hard. Joseph just gets up and he's sitting at home. So maybe there was some immaturity in Joseph's perspective about what I should share in this dream. And as he shared that dream, it set this plan into action that ultimately turned out to be the greatest thing that could have happened to Joseph. But a lot of times, I think, when we talk about our dream, we are not thinking about God's plan. Because, see, Joseph's dream did not equate to him being thrown in a pit. Then him being sold into slavery. Then him being accused. Then tossed into prison. Then forgotten. Like there's no part of that plan. When I think about my dreams, that's not a part of my dreaming plan. It is, it's not, it is not there. No, I lay out my plan and man, I would like to see this happen and this is how that can happen and this looks good and this feels good and this seems right. So my dream includes everything that is good and beneficial for me. And a lot of times what we have done is we have taken the dream and repackaged it. And we've slapped the label of God and his spirit all on it because it makes me feel better about what I am doing for me. When you think about the vision of this house that's being presented, is it your dream or is it God's dream? So if I could title this anything, it would be Joseph, Martin, and me. See, we've just walked through celebrating, and I know for Strong Tower Church, there's been a tradition of really celebrating MLK holiday, and you all have done something that you didn't get to do this year. But we highlight and we celebrate the life of Martin Luther King Jr. And I begin to look at Joseph's life and then begin to look at Martin's life because we all hear, I have a dream. But I don't think we're taking into context like what that dream cost Martin. And then I think we begin to look at it and view it as Martin's dream rather than understanding it was God's dream being presented through Martin Luther King Jr. Because if it's Martin's dream, it lives and dies with him. 
This becomes some of the problem with the way that maybe we're dreaming when we talk to God about our dreams is if these dreams are centered around us, they live and they die with us. God's dream is very different. See, our dreams will always impact others, but the dream God gives you will always provide for others. When we think about MLK and his life, something that I begin to kind of see highlighted was we often talk about his dream, but we don't talk about the fact that he was stabbed, house was blown up, shot at, arrested, taken to trial, arrested again. Like that was a part of the dream, growing up in the civil rights era. Like this was his dream. And when we hear the dream, we see these moments of mountaintop, but we're not seeing what actually encompasses the dream. And what I think we fail to account for is the fact that Martin had to live out Hebrews 11, 13. That he had to continue to talk about a dream that he would not see fulfilled. And that is a difficult thing. Because every dream that Ray Allen has, oh yeah, it's going to happen. And it's going to be great. It's going to be great for me and for my family. And I will tag on to it, oh, it's going to be great for the people around me. And I begin to add all of these things because it looks better when I talk about my dream in that light. So as we continue through this message, I want you to literally write out what your dream is. Because if we are not testing these things by the word, if we are not bringing these things before God, then we're just playing. We are literally allowing ourselves to equate fantasy to God's dream. Because in our fantasies, everything works out right. Everything looks good, everything is beneficial, and everything, you know, we get the happy ending. Something that we begin to see in Scripture is God's plan will not only provide, but His purpose has not changed. In 2 Peter 3.9, this is what Peter begins to say, and he unpacks this idea as he's sharing with and presenting the gospel message. It says, the Lord is not slow in keeping His promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And I begin to think about that because I want my dreams to happen fast, like I would like them to happen yesterday. Now is too slow. And I begin to think about, okay, when I'm talking about these dreams, when I'm talking about the life of Joseph and what I'm seeing in the life of Martin Luther King Jr. and what I'm seeing in my life, God's not slow. I don't understand patience. Because in his plan, there's not only room for me, there's provision. In his dream, there's not only space for me, there's provision for all of those that are a part of his plan. And if his purpose hasn't changed, then he is still seeking to redeem his creation. So maybe I need to change the way I'm dreaming. 
Maybe I need to start asking God, what's your dream for your people? The things that I see coming up in my life that I feel like, Lord, that's you speaking. Maybe I need to bring that back to the Lord and say, Lord, I commit this to you. Help me to keep this in front of you so that I can maintain what you've called me to do. See, Martin's dream brought him to the place that he was willing to die for. Am I willing to die for my dream? Am I so committed to what God has called me to do that I can say yes to Hebrews eleven thirteen? And I wish I had something that would make that easier to swallow, but I don't. And it kind of made sense to me this morning because I, I woke up and we try to get our kids to take the top of their morning to spend time in some devotion to the Lord. And I woke up this morning in my youngest mercy. I came out and she said, oh, I forgot to do my devotions. So I must be her reminder. <laughs> and so she starts doing her devotions this morning in the store. She unpacks is Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. And I thought, God, you are funny. And I'm watching this interaction between Nebuchadnezzar, who begins to talk about and express his dreams. And if you don't know the story, I will outline it um, in the kid version uh, as simply as possible. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream that awakens him and shakes him to the place where he is in distress. It has physically gripped him. And as he's unpacking this dream, he calls for the, the wise leaders of the day, the magicians, all of the educated learners. He calls for them immediately. But he does something interesting. He doesn't communicate the dream to them. He says, you tell me the dream and what the interpretation is. And good old Daniel. The dream is presented in Daniel takes this posture and position of prayer. And he says, I can't tell you, king, the interpretation. He says, that's impossible for any man. He says, but the God of all creation, the God that created you, will provide the interpretation. And that's what I can tell you. So I'm sitting on my couch this morning watching with my daughter this interaction in this story as we talk about it. And I'm watching God place this stamp on the fact that, Ray, if the dream comes from you, and if you are the starting place for the dream, you are the limitation of the dream. So Daniel prays and he gets a revelation from the Lord and he goes to Nebuchadnezzar and he begins to communicate to Nebuchadnezzar the dream and what it means. And in that moment, what you see is as the king who has already said that he is going to take the lives of his wise men because they can't give me the interpretation I need. 
Then you didn't go back to him and say, King, let me stroke your ego. King, let me make you feel better. King, let me tell you what you want to hear. He communicates to the king that in the dream, the destruction of this, of this idol ultimately has the face of you, Nebuchadnezzar. He basically tells Nebuchadnezzar that your kingdom is going to fall. That's not the message you bring to the king. But Nebuchadnezzar's response to me is so interesting. Because I set my dreams up to be successful because I want them to be right. I want it to be purposeful. I want it to do well. Nebuchadnezzar responds to Daniel and says, you are going to be the man that's going to communicate and lead us forward. Not because of who you are, but because truly the God that you serve is the God of all things. Sometimes I feel our capacity to find ourselves pursuing our dreams is because we are not finding ourselves committed faithfully to the God of all dreams. Maybe I'm concerned that the dream won't happen if I take it in and I allow God to lead that dream. Maybe I'm concerned that if I say, yes, God, I'm going to give you this dream, that my journey and path might look like Joseph's. It might look like Martin's. It might look like when you begin to look through Scripture, every other person that had to communicate a dream. Because when you start to go down the line of men and women in Scripture who had to communicate a dream, yeah, it was nothing like they planned. Nothing like they planned. And as I reflect on that, and I reflect on Hebrews eleven thirteen, I begin to see that my posture has been one foot in, one, in what God has in his desire and his plan, and the other foot over here scared and concerned. Concerned that if I give my dream to you, Lord, what happens if you call me to fulfill Hebrews eleven thirteen? And when you read this passage in Hebrews and you begin to read the verses before, you see outlined name after name after name after name of individual who by faith, who by faith, who by faith, So what I began to come to the re revelation of was it really is impossible for us to dream without faith. Every dream that I've talked about, every dream that I've desired, every, every dream that I've felt in my own life, it's impossible for that dream to be possible without faith. So it's not just about having the dream, but it's understanding the dream must be connected to faith. And again, God is so good because I come into Strong Tower today and I'm sitting in the back and I'm walking, I'm listening to, I don't know if you call him Mr. Scheidt or Blake, but I'm listening to him talk about faith and unpacking that this morning and watching God say, Ray, if my people do not begin to line up with what I've laid out, 
they'll miss me. And in missing me, they will become frustrated and then they'll blame me. Because it's great when our dreams are happening, but the moment those dreams don't take place, what do we do? We look for somebody to fault. Most of the time, God becomes that one. And we start laying out the list of, well, but you didn't do this, and you didn't do this, and you didn't do this. All the while, forgetting that if my dream was a dream that came from him and it was connected in faith. My responsibility wasn't to make the dream happen. My responsibility was to continue to commit the dream to him. And maybe what he was actually asking me for was what is found in Hebrews eleven thirteen, That I would become another name that lived in faith, fully pursuing this dream. And I didn't see it to completion, but I saw what God did as I pursued it. See, we are getting so caught up on the end of the dream that we are not being a part of what God's doing in the dream. We're looking at the end result because we want to get there so bad. Why? Because maybe I'm tired of having to be faithful to it. I mean, think about a Joseph who gets forgotten in prison. He's sitting there. He literally says, when you get out, don't forget me. You can't make it any plainer because he's, he's been there for years. Trying to hold on to a dream he had when he was young. That he presented to his brothers who mocked him. Threw him in a pit and start this trail and journey. That's not what he would say yes to if he was going to dream. Sometimes that dream has relocated us to places that we never would have said yes to. Sometimes that dream, when it's committed to him, says, hey, not just yet. When you really want that promotion, because you've earned it, right? Let's make it as practical as we can be. Sometimes that dream is wanting to turn a page and forget some things because, man, I'm just tired of being there dealing with those things. And 2 Peter becomes more of what we begin to kind of find ourselves sitting in, which is, God, you're too slow. Why can't the dream happen now? But if Joseph does not remain in the place where God has him, what God is doing in the waiting does not take place. See, as we dream today, people of God, as we begin to look again at what dreams are we committing to the Lord, a part of that process is being patient. It's being faithful. It's great to dream, but if we don't understand what is necessary in the dreaming, then we will become anxious and worried and we will become impatient and we will have a false start. So again, I ask, what's the dream? When you look at that dream, is it still committed to the Lord? Or have you become tired and weary? Have you let go? Have you quit on it? Because I'm sure that 
Dr. King had to be sitting in a moment where he was saying to himself, I'm continuing to talk about a dream, but I live in a reality that looks nothing like this dream. I'm continuing to push and communicate that there's a dream that's greater. But my current reality does not reflect that. And there comes a moment in even his life where he communicates that he has been to the mountaintop. He didn't go to the mountaintop to stay at the mountaintop. He had to go to the mountaintop because he needed something else from God. He presents this revelation of what he's seen and it infuses him to remain patient because he understands this is God's dream. It's God's dream for his people. It's God's dream for his creation. And he's still at the work of redeeming his creation. So now I fast forward from moving to Joseph to beginning to see things in Dr. King's life to now where am I? Ray Allen that's in Lakeland, Florida. Working my nine to five with my wife and kids. Holding on to the fact that God has a dream for me. And you can insert your name there. Because you are here in this place at this location. And there has been a dream that has been presented. Maybe we've repackaged that dream. Because we got tired of waiting. Got tired of being disappointed. Maybe the situation around you is not reflecting what you believe the dream to be. He didn't give you the dream because the situation was going to reflect what you thought. He didn't give you the dream because you were going to be alive to see it. That is a blessing from the Lord when you are alive to see these things come to pass. He gave you a dream that only you could carry out. That only you get the opportunity to cultivate and to present to him. And there are some days where that dream is going to feel like a burden that you do not possess the ability to carry. And those become the moments when you have to find yourself falling on that cross again. There are some days where you are going to hold that dream and the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength and you feel like you are walking on water because you know that God is speaking to you and connected with you. But we have to find ourselves again coming back to the place where we have the faith to believe that the dream came from God, that it is His. It was always his. And in the midst of that, he's providing provision, not only to keep you and sustain you, but to allow you to walk it out. Until one of two things happens. Either that dream comes to fruition and you've seen it take place, or you're now able to communicate that, Lord, I have fulfilled Hebrews 11.13, and I've been faithful 
to what you've given me. See, the reality is there is a true shalom that we are seeking. There is a peace that we are seeking. There is something that we desire, and it's greater than any simplified dream that we begin to conjure up as mankind. I'm going to keep connecting to the word that was presented earlier. Blake talked about the source. When our dreams are no longer being connected to the source, we have lost the ability to dream. It's no longer that anymore. And sometimes the first step back is just to say, Father, forgive me. We talk about, we quote the scripture that his kindness leads to repentance. Why is that? It's because I turned my back on his dream. Because it got too hard. Because things fell through. Because I'm looking at it and all I can see is failure. And when I begin to connect to that, I'm no longer connected to the source. Because now the thing that I'm connected to is untrue. And it's hard to fulfill God's dream when you're connected to untruths. So there have been some things that I've had to lay down and say, God, i got to give these back to you. I have to reconnect these dreams to the source because I can't do these on my own. And what I've now begun to call the dream is actually something that you didn't say yes to. Yes, is the dream going to require a full commitment and surrender on your part? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Is that dream potentially and maybe going to cost you your life? Yes, it will. But God, and this is why faith becomes necessary in the dream because if I do not believe that he has the ability to, to resurrect this life, then I won't give him this life. And this is how this impacts your dream. What it means is I won't give him my dream. Because if I can't give you my life, I can't give you my dream. Because what I believe then is, God, you don't have the ability to make this happen. Then it falls on me again. My participation in the dream God has given me is the result of obedience, not the result of substance. My obedience to God. So my dream is impacted by my ability to be obedient. My ability to say yes to him, to, to really lay it all down. To bring ourselves again to the place where we have a need and desire for him who is pursuing us. 
There's an old song that, I call it old song. I'm learning now that I'm old, according to my children and my students. <laughs> but I used to sit in the pews and I would hear grandparents and generations before me. And I grew up in a, an old Baptist church. And there was a song that they used to sing, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. See, I didn't understand the substance because I didn't understand their obedience. So to me, it was just, oh, this is what we do. We just come together and we sit and we sing. We listen to a word and then we kind of keep it moving. Because just like immature Joseph who spewed his dream out, immature Ray didn't understand the obedience. I was looking at the substance. I didn't know the dreams that they had pursued and what it cost them. And I didn't know how many of them would live out Hebrews eleven thirteen, and that would be added to them as a part of their legacy and their story. But now, without having all the substance, I understand the obedience. I understand what is required of us as people of God that want to see and desire to see God move on this earth again. To see the dreams fulfilled that he's placed in your heart when nobody else is present. The things that he's called you to and when the things around you look like there are enemies surrounding you, and no one's on your team. But God is still saying, yes, remain faithful. I'm beginning to understand the need for that obedience. And it's bringing me to a place where I understand the need for my Savior. So do I have dreams? Of course I do. Do you have dreams and desires? Of course you do. Do you have plans? Do you have vision and passion? Yes. When those things are not committed to the Lord, when those things are not connected to faith, When those things become our fantasies, we miss God. And there's nothing greater that can take place in our lives as people who are pursuing Him than for us to find Him. Because when we find Him, we find peace and joy and purpose, and identity. All of the things that when I think about Joseph, and I think about Martin, and when I think about me, I've been searching for. See, the dream becomes the fulfillment of what I found in him. Not the thing that I should be pursuing. We begin to chase after the dream because it becomes the kind of the North Star for us. 
and we miss the person that gave us the dream. We miss the giver. As we continue this year, and I'm grateful to be able to journey with you, and I'm grateful for every opportunity that you have given me to give voice. Because I'm just trying to say yes to his dream. So in closing, my prayer is this. It, it really becomes pointless for us to become people of action when our hearts aren't connected. So I don't want you to move out of this place today thinking like that you have something here, but you don't have that connection here. You don't need a lot. Just you and God. That's enough space. That's enough throne room. There's enough there for you to be able to posture yourself. And to say, God, I need you to make this dream right again. I need to bring it back to you. Because I've taken it somewhere you didn't want to go. And in doing so, I've, it's, lost, it's, a, it's lost the ability to sustain me. Because you placed inside of it everything that I needed. So may we make our hearts right. And allow our actions to follow that. Because today we heard from a God that loves us. My prayer is anything that is not from him would not take ground in good soil. I don't need it. I have him. You don't need it. You have him. But may all of the things that were from the throne room of heaven, the words that have been shared today, they are, that's the word of God. May it take root. May we do our part to water and to toil that ground so that we will bear fruit that is going to be beneficial to his body. God, we thank you for your word this morning that you would bring us back. The irony of it is that we weren't far from you. We just couldn't see you. Open our eyes again. And we will begin to dream again your dreams. Your dream for your people. For your creation. And as we continue to live out our lives. In service to you. In honor to you. In obedience to you. That you are faithful. To make good on every promise. On every commitment on every dream that you have laid before us. Hear the cries of your people today. And may our hearts be postured in such a way that you are pleased.
And as we look back from Joseph to Dr. King, to where we are presently, that we would see a faithful God who is fulfilling Hebrews 11:13. May we be added to that number when our time is done on this earth. That even in being called faithful, we did not see it come to pass. We know that we have done our part. To be called good and faithful servants. Who said yes to you when you called. May it be so. As you reign on this earth. Always. Forevermore. In your wonderful name. Amen.